Support for this podcast and the following message come from Internet Essentials from Comcast. Connecting more than 6 million low-income people to low-cost, high-speed Internet at home. So students are ready for homework, class, graduation, and more. Now they're ready for anything. You're connected to the All Songs Considered Plus One podcast. I'm Bob Boylan, and on this edition, a conversation with Johnny Greenwood, the man of many textures as guitarist, electronics manipulator, and arranger with the band Radiohead. The group's on tour, playing a wide swath of songs from their remarkably varied career, including the new record, A Moon-Shaped Pool. Johnny Greenwood was at WBEZ in Chicago. The new record's their ninth studio record. It's more string-based and maybe more subtle than anything this band's done before. I was curious, how Radiohead approached their records? Do they just go into a studio and play, or do they sit down and talk about the sound they want to create? So we start the conversation that way. We tend to approach every new record with the new technique or a new style of recording, if we can manage it. Um, And that was true this time as well. So what would the conversation be like? How would you describe, because that's hard to do in words, so. I guess it feels like every record we make, we finish and have a collective thought that we didn't quite mean to do it like that, and the next (laughs) one will be different, and then we'll get it right. It's kind of like rewriting the same letter and getting each draft slightly wrong. (laughs) So it's a good motivational force, or a terribly depressing kind of... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> negative way to look it depends how you look at it but um yeah it keeps us going so yeah that's how we approach this one uh if i can get more literal because i i like doing that which is trying to figure out like are you do you sit in a room with instruments and talk about sounds that you want to make do you do you talk about attitudes or uh, approaches or uh just yes, trying to really do. get yeah help me um what we did is well it's kind of instructive that on the last record we ditched instruments this is for um king of limbs yes and we wrote our own software and we used computers in that way and but so for this record was a sort of reaction to that we went to the other extreme and we started using magnetic tape again and and setting ourselves limits and and worked within you know the eight tracks or 16 tracks we were allowed to use for each song so it was uh, far more restrictive than last time and we found that quite a creative creative way to work. I think restrictions are for artists are is the most amazing way to get something to happen that you wouldn't have expected. Yeah, exactly. And you, when you don't have an undo button on a recording machine, <laughs> then it adds this quite creative tension to what you're doing because you play a version of a guitar part and you think you can do it better, so you try and do it again. And if it is... If it's no better, then you've lost the old one. You kind of you can't go back one step. So there's that kind of quite fun pressure to the recording now. You know, whereas traditionally you use Pro Tools and there's layers and layers of things that you can go back to and revise and mend. I love that we're living in an age where you could say traditionally we use Pro Tools. (laughs) (laughs) I know, you see. um, and, and, And so this this time... We're trying to do something. But then at the same time, we were conscious to make sure that we still used computers and laptop slots and not just make it a big retro experience and not just make it, you know, with instruments that were also around in the 1960s. The idea was to have computers and laptops, but to be all ending things on on tape when we can. I think what I'd like to do is, um, is play a song 
Uh, maybe we'll just start with the first one. And maybe you can tell me how it came together. And actually, I was wondering, because so many people think of you more as a guitarist, but uh, where are you in the song? I mean, obviously, you're an orchestrator and play many, many instruments, but... If I play the opening cut, and let me do that, and I'll bring it under you, and if you don't mind, just talk a little about how the song came together and what your part might have been. So here we go. Can you describe where some of those sounds are coming to? That it almost sounds like a bow on a cello or something. Or right, I mean that's this song was one of the rare chances of getting our hands on an unfinished song, so we can put strings on right at the beginning. Usually, strings are a afterthought and they're sort of you know decoration on the end of a song. And I've been saying for years, wouldn't it be great to just start with strings? And so this song was just Tom singing in a drum machine and nothing else. And then I wrote strings to that. So yeah, you're hearing, you know, an orchestra play. They're, they're strumming their violins with guitar plectrums. That's ah. the sound of the rhythm. And yeah, and it's just, it's all strings. And who are these people that are doing this? It's an orchestra called the LCO, London Contemporary Orchestra who are kind of young and, and eager orchestra. I've, I'm working with a lot in, in London at the moment. Right, they do lots of new work, do people's works, and try to present classical music that's not more traditional but more contemporary. Is that the simple way to put it? Exactly, yeah. They tend to play like both extremes. It's, it's either living composers or very early Baroque things, which is kind of a nice, healthy, um, you know, to, to miss out all the music in between. feels like quite a nice <laughs> modern thing to do. Let's just hear a little bit more of this talk. Now, when you presented the string parts to this group, did they hear Tom and drum machine and all that stuff and played to it, or did they? How did that work? They did. Yeah, they were playing to that, and and conductor was just following it and leading them through it. But, um, you know, string days are just the most exciting days to record. I, <laughs> kind of, I live for them. It's amazing. The whole the excitement in the morning when you're just putting music out on, a, on these empty stands and you know that an orchestra are coming later that day and you'll only have them for four hours and you've got to make the most of it. And it's, it's really I, it's just the most exciting thing. And then to sit in a room and hear them play yeah. is, is really like nothing else. Are you one of those people that can hear music in your head? Can you write a part out and just know what it's going to sound like? Yeah, I can. I'm not very good at hearing, like, chords and harmonies, but, yeah, mel melodies are I can usually kind of notate or hear or whatever. Uh-huh. But it still sounds yeah. pretty damn exciting when how many string players are, are playing these uh, these strings with uh, yeah. guitar picks. This is actually a little... This is only 13 players. Only 13. But, um, but still, it's yeah. it's yeah, it's crazy what they can do with their instruments and how they've, you know, dedicated their lives to learning how to play them. I'm still, you know, every time I see someone in their twenties carrying a cello case or a violin case, I just, I'm always a bit in awe and think they look, you know, very cool, <laughs> compared to you know long-haired idiots like me carrying guitars. It's like that's, <laughs> you know, I, I, I kind of I, I know who I admire more, really. 
when you were yeah. uh, when you were little uh you played violin did yeah viola, viola really viola. yeah i was in like viola orchestras when i was um uh you know when i was a teenager and recorder groups as well i was a very nerdy um kind of musical kid did you like it or wish to abandon it? I mean, obviously, it's not. For when I say Johnny Greenwood to post anyone, they won't say, "Oh, yeah, that great violist." <laughs> right. So, right. <laughs> so, it's my, my manager laughing in the background, which is really encouraging. <laughs> he pointing and laughing it makes it even worse. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I I am blushing now, as you can probably tell, because I I know I should be ashamed. I know I should have been. You could have been you know, a contender. Yeah, it's exactly. You know, instead of stealing cars and having a good time when I was a teenager, I was literally playing re recorders. In the little know, wooden recorders, like, uh, like sure, uh, awesome. Like <laughs> to the age of eighteen, like seriously, and with with no shame. Were you doing so, music of the Renaissance, or what were you? What were you up sure. to? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. This is. I mean, it could have gone. Make me brush again. <laughs> it could. You see, it's true. Well, I. Well, then. Was it the drugs? I mean, <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> oh, and a terrible confession. I know I should be. I wish I had a drug habit, something more. Yeah. But you know, but no. Instead, I've you know, yeah. But there is a, there are bits of recorder playing on some Radiohead records. To if you listen closely to the choruses in the bends, there's recorders there in the beginning of one of the songs on the new record. There's some recorder. So you know, it's it's getting its way into Radiohead records slowly. <laughs> The future, the next Radiohead record's going to be you and a re and Tom and a recorder. <laughs> <laughs> this just in. <laughs> so I, I think of when I think of the recorder, uh, I, and I think of you and the the amount of texture that you often put in and into the music that you play. They're really polar opposite. I mean, I guess I'm wondering how you made the leap, or or or. Were you attracted to different, more dense, more intense? sounds i think we think of ourselves as being arrangers of these songs and you know tom will write a song or you know or half a song and we'll develop it and then the big pressure is how do you put this song across and not ruin it how do you arrange it right you know there's no individual interest in what we play or what instruments we play on the record it's it's about it's like it's all about servicing the song it's a bit like you know, in the Buddy Holly story, in the film, they have the scene when they go into the studio and the producer says, right, well, I do the arranging and, and, I, and I'm going to tell you what to play. And we're, we're a bit like him. We're a bit like that guy <laughs> in that it's, it's not really about, right, can I do my guitar part now? It's more what will serve this song best. How do we not, you know, mess up this really good song? Because the, part of the problem is Tom will sit at the piano and play a song like Pyramid Song or whatever and, and we're going to record it. So how do we not make it you know worse how do you make it better than him just playing it by himself which is already usually quite great mm -hmm. so yeah we're kind of we're arrangers really let me play a bit of uh how about i'll just next cut daydreaming which is starts very keyboard based well <laughs> sort of right <laughs> that's all magnetic tape and laptops and and it's magnetic tape being sort of like touching the the uh, metal reel and slowing it down or speeding it up. Yeah, that's right. And digital sounds going to it. So uh -huh. again, it's a bit like the the orchestra I was talking about in, in 
London in that it's it's like we're trying to use very old and very new technology together and just cut out the middleman and not use anything, you know, in between. You know, good old technology like a piano and and then all the kind of digital stuff on top. I've been making electronic music since the late 70s and one of my favorite things is, and you do this, this is why I'm attracted to what you do, is the, is the, the mix of uh, organic and electronic and that happens so much in your music and they complement each other in the way music and pictures complement one another, you know. There's, there's something so powerful about those two elements together. Thank you, Bob. Do you, uh... Dreamers. I can't talk. <laughs> I love this song. singing so beautifully at the moment, isn't he? Yeah. This is amazing. Are you all in the room when this is happening? Does this, he do this when he's finally gotten rid of you all and he's alone? How does, how does that, how do you perform with one another when it comes to studio work? Well, this song is a strange example because we did the backing track and Tom came in and sang on it, sort of. We kind of couldn't find a way in and so we did a version in my memory, we kind of did it without him, or the bare bones of it without him. What, what did you, you know? have to work with that you were, when you say you did the backing track, was there just the, those tapes and stuff and Tom yeah, and just, played on top of it? No, he just came and sang. I mean, he wrote the song, but I ended up playing the piano part. And just, You're playing the piano, I see. Yeah, and we presented him with this um, backing track to sing to. Oh. And I think that was kind of a nice change for him. He's so used to having to you know, start things off. Uh-huh. That's beautiful playing. Yeah, some it's nice because you, you, it's, it's like, it's a good example of you hear something slightly out of time and if you try and go and correct it on the tape, you might not do it as well again. And it's, yeah, it's kind of reminding me of that whole process. Uh-huh. It's funny. Is there a song um, that I can pick here that uh, illustrates yet another example of the way you work? I mean, there's Glass Eyes, which is all, which is just strings and tom. What, uh, I want to get Kiki, what, what computer program are you using to make this sound? That's a piano and it's processed with it, with um, some software I wrote using MaxMSP. It's like a kind of basic programming language for music, for sound. And I guess to explain to somebody who has no idea what any of that means, it, it's kind of like t- having a bunch of Legos on the floor and uh, you can connect them together to make something. Right, yeah, and so instead of taking someone else's idea of what, you know, echo or reverb should sound like, you get to build one from the, from the ground up. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a nice, nice to be in control of that stuff. And do many accidents happen when you do that, that you come up with ideas that you never would have thought of? Or are you very, are you one of those people, you're just after a goal and you set out to achieve it and you achieve it? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, you know, happy accidents, but there's also, I'm suddenly remembering also there's lots of occasions when it just, it breaks and the whole band are waiting for it to work again. <laughs> it's a bit like having an old car and it just keeps breaking down every few hundred me- miles and you need to <laughs> lift the bonnet and so it's, it's either endearing or really frustrating depending on how you look at it. 
I'm gonna play a little bit, bit of this in the clear for folks. This is Glass Eyes. You have a way of making um, these these musical spaces that feel like wonderful rooms I want to live in. <laughs> There's uh, people use uh, reverb and echo and all that stuff, and just sometimes it almost gets to be to the point of being annoying <laughs> as opposed to welcoming. And yes, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's it's dangerous thing to rely on, but then if it's making making it, you know, the music sound beautiful, then it can be can be a creative tool already. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing you, uh, it's actually almost about eight years to the day, because I remember this because uh, Barack Obama had uh, had accepted the, his nomination for the parties uh, for, for president uh, on that night. It was a you know, historic night in America, but you were playing, and I was out there for a concert you were doing in Santa Barbara, California, this gorgeous, gorgeous outdoor space. And uh, I, after the show, I was wandering around just alone. Uh, actually, Tom was going to come. We were going to meet because we hadn't met but talked before. And uh, there was a family hanging out, and I was kind of missing my son. And I walked over to this family and started talking to him. And it turns out that the guy, the father there, was the creator, inventor uh, of the um, Line 6 uh, box. And for those who don't know, if you ever go see a band in concert, it's a green uh, metallic box with a number of dials on it uh, that people use for delay and looping and all that sorts of stuff, and it, it's become ubiquitous and, ubiquitous and everywhere. Uh, and he said, I know he's using my stuff, Johnny, uh, but he's doing stuff with it that I never, ever imagined that anybody ever could. Do you dig deep into these guitar effects boxes and try to make them your own? I try and remember that lots of these very basic things, supposedly basic things, uh, quite overlooked. It's funny, it's like the idea of a delay is such a powerful thing, such a, and you can do so many creative things with just that one idea that it, it, it can be very distracting to suddenly collect other effects and pedals and you just, again, it's kind of back to limitations. It's good to, to stay limited and, and you end up doing far more creative things, I think, when you force yourself to be to be quite limited. So, yeah, I, I dig deep. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I'm still finding new ways to use those kind of pedals. You know, I've actually only got one delay pedal, and I, that's all I use. And You hear that, guitar players? That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, all, they are all the same between you, and all guitars really are the same, uh -huh. frankly. Yeah, I know it's sacrilege just to say it, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of more interested in getting a recorder now, now I'm talking about it. <laughs> process it <laughs> yeah, yeah right <laughs> which makes me think of what has happened in your um, evolution as a guitar player I mean I can put on probably at random uh, five or six of these songs and and ask somebody hey 
point out the guitar here, and maybe there's no, not even one, but they certainly be hard pressed, even if there were a guitar there. Well, that's that's success, isn't it? Really, because then <laughs> I think that's uh, that, that makes me happy because I'm thinking that it's yeah, it's funny. We talk about um, I can remember being a kid and all the records I loved. I used to love them because of the songs, and I never noticed a band and was never interested. And then when we first were first when our first record came out, and people would ask what guitar players are like, I would just have to say the name of the band because I wouldn't know. I had to keep remembering. <laughs> yeah, John McGeoch played in the magazine. Okay, I've got to remember that name so you know, I can talk about. It. And just because it was, it was having written a song that amazed me rather than what the guitar players were playing like or anything. You know, the fact that this song had come from nowhere and then someone had sat and written it, and that's, that was the, the mind-blowing thing for me. So it's sort of, in a, in a way, uh, it's all an orchestra to you in some ways, where the personality is the, is the result. Like, I mean, you don't know the players in an orchestra. Nobody's going to name almost anyone, right? right? Yeah. yeah, right. I think it's, it's nice to think slightly anonymously like that. You said at the beginning that you sort of set out to do one thing and it winds up to be another. Could you put your finger on what you think that you tried for that you didn't get and what you did get? And Can you put those in words at all? I mean, there's a few specific things, but overall it's kind of a, a miracle. This is going to sound very conceited, but it's it's a surprise to me how well so many of the songs came out, actually. Yeah. Um, and the one or two frustrations I have, uh, there's nothing compared to the like eight or nine, you know, like key things. I'm just amazed that we got good recordings of. We're all really very lucky and 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 happy to have this as a record. If you think of uh, the amount of time that you let's see this, what to maybe sixty, seventy minute record. Do you have any clue how many hours you spent whittling down? I mean, we, I'm going to look across at my manager to see if he's going to nod when I say this, but we, we did a good 80% of the record in about two weeks. Wow. We basically went to a studio and, again, because we had the limitations yeah. and we couldn't, you know, we couldn't spend days on things. A lot of, I'm just going to sound like an old fogey to say this, but <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of bands, it seems to me, will go to a studio for a day and then the, their producer... We'll edit and mix for the for the rest of the week and kind of construct a song, mm. and it sh- feels like we prefer it being the other way around. And you should just be playing and getting it right, and you know you end up with stranger things, I think. But then you know the next record will be really frustrated with that, and and we'll hopefully change direction and and think of, you know, and you know so it's the process of saying yeah it's not quite right, and let's 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 go in this direction instead. So yeah, heavy metal. I'm getting into the, trying to get into heavy metal at the moment because I'm feeling like I missed out, and I keep asking people to recommend. I saw Deep Purple a couple of weeks ago in Italy, and it was great. Um, and it's all new music to me, and I don't, don't know any of that stuff. And I'm just, um, it was really, it was really interesting. It's kind of this sort of hard rock with a real sort of swaggery drummer. It's an amazing drummer in, in um, called Ian in Pierce. Fantastic. All they're missing so really. Is, oh, sorry. No, carry on. No, oh. teach me because I, I really, it's its a new world to me. I keep, you oh. know, in fact, recommend some good. I mean, I know Led Zeppelin and everything, but what happened afterwards? Is there nothing? <laughs> Do you know, I mean, Swans is a good example of someone who is deeply textured and and, uh, and Boris is another. Uh, those are two avenues. Boris, the Japanese. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, Tom's yeah. obsessed with them. He keeps playing me that stuff. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, the lo- loudest music on. On, it's it's bone rattling music. I mean, it's right. It's, yeah, it's quite insane. 
So, so the next record is going to be a metal record with recorder, as I understand it, then, right? <laughs> Fantastic. Sounds like got our answer. Thank you. <laughs> I knew this interview was worth doing. That's brilliant. Okay, yeah, we'll do that. Okay, sweet. Thanks. I'll, that'll be the headline. Thank you so much. Okay. <laughs> nice to talk to you. Yeah, Bob. good to talk to you too. Thanks for taking time. Cheers. Cheers. Bye bye. Johnny Greenwood. The new Radiohead record is called A Moon Shaped Pool. I'm Bob Boylan for NPR Music. It's all songs considered. Thanks for listening to and supporting NPR Podcasts. To view the entire NPR Podcast catalog, visit npr.org slash podcasts. That's npr.org slash podcasts.